Good morning. Good morning. Is anyone here new, like here for the first time? Ah, welcome. Welcome to the Austin Zen Center on this kind of muggy, warm, warmish day. It's kind of warm, which is a shock from, from the last couple of weeks. But I suppose we're right on track for where we, where we usually are. Yeah, is that true? We lost our lemon tree. That's happened sometime in the last couple of weeks when we've had a hard freeze. But I think the fig tree made it. Um, I bring this up because I didn't realize that we had lost our lemon tree until just the other day. We had a work day last weekend. And I don't know how many people came for the work day, maybe how many? 20 people. Anyway, it was, it, we, we got a lot of, we had a lot of work done. And it, it felt like, um, yeah, there's different teams kind of doing different things. So like a bunch of people were doing things in the garden and in the kitchen. And there was a lot of cleaning happening and some repairs being done. A lot of raking got done. I think the bags are all gone now. How many, how many bags? 15, 20 bags. 20 bags of leaves. So, <clears throat> a lot of, uh, I guess you call this pre-spring activity happening. The crocuses, I think their crocuses are starting to poke their heads out. Not their heads, but their fingers. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, and lots is lots is going on under the just under the surface of the of the earth. Right? A lot of activity, things germinating or growing. So I think that that's kind of where I feel like we are in the season. Yeah, I don't know where you all feel like you are in your own uh, journeys through the year of two thousand eighteen. We started this year here at the Zen Center talking about intention um, and the cultivation of uh, awareness, simple awareness around intention. And uh, we spent most of January talking about that. We had a couple of different talks and events, a workshop and a conversation cafe. And then now in, in, um, in February, I don't know, it feels like feels like things have shifted, but they haven't landed anywhere in particular yet for February. I don't normally think of it in these terms either, like the, in terms of month by month, like, oh, my January is about this, and my February is about that. But oh, for some reason, it's, uh, it's really coming up for me. It's like the feeling of the seasons passing, time flowing, things emerging out of, you know, things thawing out from the winter and then emerging in the spring. So that's, uh, maybe it's the weather. It's making me feel this way. I had a, a koan that I wanted to talk about today. This is from the classic book, The Book of Serenity. And um, it's a collection of 100 koans. And we're gonna look at Koan number 98. It's short. It's a short koan. 
A monk asked Dongshan, among the three Buddha bodies, which one does not fall into any category? Apparently in the original record, the question was, among the three bodies, which one expounds the Dharma? So, which one does not fall into any category and which one expounds the Dharma? Are kind of like the same. So this monk asks Dongshan this question and Dongshan replies, I am always close to this. I am always close to this. That's it. <laughs> so I wanted to talk, uh, bring up this koan. Uh, do, are you all familiar with, anybody familiar here with the three bodies of Buddha? Eric? Great. The, the Dharmakaya, the Subodhikaya, and the Ramanakaya. Did you all get that? <laughs> so he said the Dharmakaya, the Sambhogakaya, and the Nirmanakaya, the three bodies of Buddha, the three bodies of complete perfect enlightenment, the three bodies of practice enlightenment, the three bodies of ultimate truth. What are these three bodies of Buddha? They're manifestations. The way the Buddha, Buddha, Budding <laughs> comes about, right? The way, the way of awakeness, of a being, of being uh, attuned, awake, mindful, maybe even present and calm. The three ways of being Buddha. Okay, so let's go through these. I usually think of them in the opposite order, but they don't really go in any order. However, uh, the Nirmanakaya, do you know what the Nirmanakaya is? It's a manifestation of Buddha. A manifestation, a form in, body. In, in, on the earth. Yeah. A manifestation of awakeness within form. The Nirmanakaya. And then there's the Sambhogakaya, which is... <laughs> That's difficult, but I think somebody referred to like the sun being Dharmakaya and the rays of the sun as being the Sambhogakaya and the earth Nirmanakaya. Nirmanakaya. Huh. Okay, I can kind of see that. Or the spirit. The spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't think it is. <laughs> um, the Sambhogakaya is the bliss body. It's called the bliss body or the reward body. Okay, so it's kind of like the reward, the fruit, the fruited body. And then the Dharmakaya is. You said it was like the sun? The yeah, or reality. Or, or, or reality. The, the ultimate. It's object. all of it, right? It's not, the Dharmakaya is, the word Dharma, uh, sometimes you, you see this description of Dharma as, there's Dharma as a, with a small d, and then there's Dharma with a, with a capital D. Right? And a capital D Dharma is what? Truth. Truth. Teaching. Teaching. Teaching, rule, truth. It's the word law. It's the words of the Buddha that describe the laws of the universe, basically. Right? Uh, ultimate reality. Reality as it is. It's everything. 
without yeah without any uh, anything excluded. excluded so nothing even the things that you think surely that's not going to be part of it <laughs> no <laughs> you got to make room for all of it the dharmakaya is um, it doesn't really like when you see represent like representations of the dharmakaya it's things like the sun right or the vast sky right it's all inclusive com- completely contains everything it's the it's the ultimate reality of all of all of it my personal small view reality and every single person's small view reality and our shared reality all of it together is dharmakaya the small when you say dharma with a small d what does that refer to things things just the things the things of the world or outside the world right anything <coughs> you can think of is just they're just called the dharmas the things that come and go things that arise and cease and then large uh, capital letter dharma is considered like truth the truth of of existence the the human condition you could say is part of that but it's not just the human condition right because it's also the condition of everything including things that are not yet born things that have long gone uh, little creatures on the ocean floor under uh, antarctica I just saw the, some of those pictures. Have you seen these, these pictures that have come out of these creatures that they are finding? <laughs> They're Caves. incredible. They're incredible. These like spiders, like big spiders that crawl around and oh, don't have any access to any light. They're really far down. So yeah, so that's the Dharma. The spider is one of the Dharmas. One of the manifestations of reality, basically. One of the things, the small d Dharma is anything that appears without exception. So the question this monk asks Dongshan is which of the three bodies of Buddha is beyond, it has no, it can't fall into any category. Which of the ones is expressing the Dharma? And so when, if I were to ask you that, now that you all know what the three bodies of Buddha are, (laughs) what might you say? Dharmakaya, right? Yeah, you just like, well, Dharmakaya includes everything, so that's got to be the one that's outside the realm of categorization. That's got to be the true one, right? Ooh, somebody's shaking their head. <laughs> why are you shaking your head there? <laughs> well, I don't know why, but... Trick question, yeah. I was half chuckling when you first read it because it's, the question to me sounded like which category is outside of categories? <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's the name of something that can't be named? I mean, it's right. the same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so in this koan, and I, I, that, that's the koan, the one that I just read is all of it in terms of the, the case itself. Sorry, not the case. The, uh, the koan body itself. But as many of you know, there's always commentary. With cons. <laughs> How could there not be, right? <laughs> so, but Dongshan's answer, before I go into commentary, let's take a look at his answer. He answers, I am always close to this. What does that mean? Not knowing is most intimate. Not knowing is most intimate. What do you mean by that? 
for me right now that Cohen's a little bit inscrutable, I can't really answer it completely. I mean, because it's there's more than one answer, but they contradict each other. So I can't answer it. <laughs> but this happens to me moment by moment all the time, so mm -hmm. I know this feeling very well. Isn't this so, not knowing is yeah, just... Yeah. yeah. Isn't he just saying, like, yeah, you know, I worry the same thing, too. I'm, I always, I'm always close to that. Like, I know this question. I know this, this sense of this thing that you're asking. Right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Not really so much of a direct, like, that's the answer, but, like, right. yeah, right. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm always close to it. I'm always close to this question, meaning it's something that is alive for me, right? Mm. So, in terms of this, again, before going into the actual commentary written, uh, written down, when we ask, when we hear the words, I am always close to this. Can you reflect back in your own life, in your own practice? when those words feel appropriate. I'm always close to this. How many of you have ever done koan study? Like, with a teacher? Okay. So oftentimes it's like, are, are you looking, is your, when you go in and, and are working on a koan, are you looking for the answer? An, an answer? It's always a trick. It's always a trick. Yeah. That's what Anne was getting at. <laughs> yeah, that's what I yeah. Same with Pat, right? It's always a trick. But, but is it? I mean, with, with, I'm, I'm serious, like in terms of koan study, because I've never done a formal koan study with a teacher before. I mean, I've had time, many times when I've gone in for a practice discussion, dokusan, and someone fires a koan at me, and, you know, I'm like, yeah. But, the first one I got was, what is your face before you were born? That's the first one I got. Yeah. <laughs> what is your face before you were born? Yeah, that, that, took, a, that took a long time with that one. I don't think I ever really answered it. <laughs> That's the idea. That's the idea. It's still on your checklist. It's still on my checklist. I think it's kind of like, let me see your, let me see your war face. <laughs> or something like that. I don't know I'm, I'm always close. I'm always close to that. So in terms of your own life, what I'm getting at in asking you about this question, bringing up this koan, what are you always close to? What question or what aspiration or question or feeling or conundrum? What kind of Thing, thing, that's just a descriptive word, isn't it? What, what is it that is, um, when I say you're always close to, that is, um, always brings up this feeling of wonder. Like you don't have a clear answer. It's not just falling into not knowing. I mean, sometimes we can say, ah, no, can't know that. And then we're done with it, right? We can turn our attention elsewhere. It's like, well, that's not a problem that's going to be solved, so I'm not going to think about it anymore. Right? That's not staying close. So what is this staying close business? Patrick, you look like you're going to say something. I think the answer's in the last word of his answer, this. This. I'm always close to this. This, yeah. What do you mean by that? Just that, that 
like the like the Enso. Right? It's like, like I mean this, 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 breath, dinner. Yeah, you would do very well with some koan study. <laughs> no, I'm serious, like in terms of uh, the this, the thisness, the thusness, right? Things as they are. Right. So maybe I I having not done formal koan study, but having uh, experienced koans thrown at me enough times that it seems like oftentimes the answer to any koan is this, right? Something that comes out of awareness of the present moment. So if you go into your teacher when they're, you're studying koans, and you come in with like, oh, I've got this answer. I've been thinking about it all week, and I've got it figured out now. They'll ring the bell before you even sit down. <laughs> right? Because they know you're not there, right there in the present moment. Right? So I'm always close to this. Yeah. What is that in our own life? I'm always close to this. What's the mystery? Not to. Not to? Do you say that to yourself sometimes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Just a good example. Eric? For me, it's uh, just being alive, just, just to the fact that, you know, I'm here. And, you know, looking at the sunset or washing my face, mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. walking, just amazes me. So I'm always close to this. I mean, why? There's no why or explanation. It's just, I'm always close to this. There's a, uh, there's a verse that was uh, recited in, in this koan, or in relation to this koan. It says, this closeness is heart rending. This closeness is heart-rending if you search outside. Why does ultimate familiarity seem like enmity? From beginning to end, the whole face has no color or shape. Still, your head is asked for by Saoshan. Say it again. This closeness is heart-rending if you search outside. So this closeness, Patrick, getting back to this, this, right? This, how much closer can you get to what's happening in reality? This. Most of the time, this comes and goes, right? And we're thinking about our agenda or what we need to get done or how many more leaves there are to rake, or, <laughs> you know, what time is lunch, right? We're not thinking necessarily about this, what's right in front of us. There's a sense in which when, when you're really kind of aware and in the flow of things, you are this. I mean, there's not so much of a distinction between this and that, and my experiences apart from, like, just what's, what's going on. Mm-hmm. So when 
how many people have been feeling really busy recently? <laughs> a lot of people are <laughs> feeling really busy. So when you're feeling really busy, I'm getting to this, Joel, this is what you're bringing up. When you're feeling really busy, you can be in the, um, you know, a get done, get things done mode, right? And that actually can kind of, uh, is, that the, is that same or different from being in a flow state? It's, it could be, like you could be like, I'm getting things done, you know, and you're, on a, you're flowing along, right? But sometimes it's actually like the, the mind that's like, I need to get things done. Like getting things done is very different from needing to get things done. Right. <laughs> well, in, in what I associate with the term flow state, it's a situation where the eye kind of disappears a bit. I mean, it's not like you're asleep. Or unconscious, mm. but a situation emerges and you just kind of see yourself doing what needs to be done. And it's not like, I am getting this done. It's uh -huh. just more like something's happening and you're watching it and you're part of it, but you're not separate. You're not separate. Things are getting You're close done. enough. Things are getting done. Yeah, it's not, I'm getting things done. Right. Okay. So in terms of this flow state that I'm kind of referring to, where the I disappears, right? Very different from being being busy and feeling busy like I've got because that's more future, right? When you're busy, oftentimes it's like, ah, I've got this and this and this and this, and I'm so busy. But once you're in in it, that can all drop away. You're still busy in a sense, but you are not busy. The, who's the one who's not busy? Right in the midst of activity. And, and what somebody may be looking in from the outside might be like, oh, wow, you've got a lot going on. But if you're in the flow state, does it, it doesn't necessarily feel like there's a lot going on. It's just life. Right? It's just this. Right? Does that get to you what you were bringing up? So this closeness is heart-rending if you search outside. What's that, what's that talking about? heartrending if you see separation if, if you're not yeah if you're not in this if you're not in this flow state you're not one with your activity it can feel heartrending right how am i going to get this done you know or it's it's kind of you know we, we skate around this right and sometimes we can make things worse for ourselves <laughs> by staying really close to the the worry or the anxiety or the feeling of overwhelm or the feeling of too much it's all so there's too many things going on i'm speaking from experience <laughs> um what is it that turns it though going back to the three bodies oh hold on hold on ernest um, maybe you decide uh, that you don't have to get That could happen. <laughs> um, who decides? That's always that that comes up for me. It's like who's deciding that? Is it myself? Is it somebody else? <laughs> I have a hard time with that one. The, the what you're like, I can decide not to. These things don't need to get done. 
I mean, sometimes I can do that. But. Eric? There's a koan that, that talks about the, the one that's not busy. Yeah. So that, right. That's, that's what one is. Which, which one is that? It's the one where the monk is sweeping. And the, <laughs> the one that just holds up his broom? Yeah, it's just, it's, yeah there are two moons and he puts, puts his broom up. But, but in that he says the one is, you know, there is one that is not busy. There is one that is not busy. This is the story of the two monks who are sweeping and one of them is really vigorously sweeping and the other one's like, what's your deal? <laughs> Why are you so busy? And then he says, there's one that you should know. There's one that is not busy. So even in the midst of something that looks busy, there can be one that is not busy. Right? Again, this speaking to when you're in alignment with what's happening in the present moment, it doesn't feel like, I mean, it might not even feel like anything's happening. Right? Lots of things. And maybe you step out of that and think, wow, I got a lot done today. It's like then you're stepping out of the flow and you're making a judgment. Right? It could be a positive, negative, neutral, it doesn't matter, but there's a judgment there. But when you're in it, there's not necessarily any judgment. So getting back to this koan and the three bodies, I think I, the reason I thought of the three bodies is thinking about this in, the ter in terms of uh, what we do here as part of our practice. What we do here meaning like things that are happening at the Austin Zen Center. What do we do at the Austin Zen Center? We sit. Yeah, we do a lot of that. <laughs> bow. We bow. Anything else? Chant. Read. Read. Walk. Walk. Sing. Sing. Dust. Dust. <laughs> a lot of dusting. <laughs> yes. Rake. Teach. Listen. Listen. Cry. Uh, yesterday, a couple of days ago, um, I got well. I got a call from one of our members saying that her boss had a bunch of limestone that he was getting rid of. Uh, it's and it turned out it's the exact same limestone that we have out in our ground on our grounds. And he was, you know, he didn't. He was basically just getting rid of it. And did we want it? And I said. Yes. <laughs> yes, that'd be wonderful. What a wonderful gift to get, you know, three pallets of really nice stone. Yeah. So uh, Daniel, who was uh, staying here for a couple days, and I went down and rented a truck, and then Mary came out and helped us, and we managed to move most of the limestone. <laughs> onto the pallets, <laughs> off the pallets, onto the truck, back off the truck. And um, yeah, that's what we do here. <laughs> we do whatever, whatever uh, this is in the moment. Last weekend, we did, as I mentioned at our work day, we did a lot of this, <laughs> right? And in the midst of it, what does it feel like? Does it feel like you're getting things done? Maybe if you're the work leader and you're, you know, you're, you've got the task sheet, <laughs> it feels like there's, there's you know, tasks being done. And maybe as a participant, you feel like there's a beginning, a middle, and an end to your task, right? 
but in general, maybe it's easier to do when you when people come. I, I often found this to be true. It's easier to do that sometimes than in your own house. Yeah, to come in and be like, oh, you want me to rake something? Great, you know. And it's it's not. There's no stickiness. It's not like there's a lot of. Uh, you know, feelings of like doing your taxes where you're like, now you're like thinking about your spending habits or how you failed to prepare this or that, you know, you're just raking. <laughs> it's just, it, you're, you can be one with your activity. Right? And there isn't this feeling of separation. Right? Um, one another, another thing that happens around here, I don't know if people know this, I didn't know this until just recently, but uh, we have a library upstairs. You all know that, right? We have a library. And um, uh, recently, our library books have been put onto uh, on the computer, so we have a sorry searchable searchable library database, a database, but like a you know so you can find things not just looking through the CAD catalog or looking at the shelves. You can look things up on the computer up there. All right, so that's something that gets done. Bruce, I'd say another thing that happens often here is adjusting. 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 You know, there are uh, oh. forms and expectations and the schedule of people who are doing things. And, yeah. And maybe tasks for a work day. And then it seems like everything that there's a supposed to should schedule scripted way. That yeah. It's like, oh, this person's not here. That supply's not available. Or this person did the thing that was different from what's written down. And now what? Right, so adjusting. Or, or adjusting posture. Too. Adjusting posture. Yeah. Like, but, like but, my but, leg is falling asleep, i got to adjust my posture. Like that kind of adjusting. But I think the point is that uh, kind of you have some mental image or some physical association with the moment of this is what's going on, and then you either the moment shifts or your expectation proves not, not as accurate as you thought, and then you're confronted mm -hmm. with, well, now what? Right. How do, how do I deal with this thing that's not what I thought or not what I want? Yeah. Well, now it's what? That's life. So we like it. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to the three bodies of Buddha, in terms of the what what happens, the manifestation of the Dharma. What's beyond category? In terms of um, Dharmakaya. Where is Dharmakaya? <laughs> Pat just did this. Maybe it's everywhere, right? Its ultimate reality is, is flowing along, and we are all there with it. Sometimes we recognize that or have an idea about it, and sometimes we're just part of it. Well, we are just part of it whether we want it or not, right? Be here now. Be here now, right? Recognize it. You could say that when we come in and sit uh, in meditation, when we sit zazen, we aren't keeping, you know, we don't, when we come in, we bow to our cushion, we bow away from our cushion, we sit down. Once we're sitting there, what happens? Yes. <laughs> this! <laughs> I said yes. Yes, yes. What happens? Yes. What happens? What happens? This happens again and again and again. I can, you know, you can call that the Dharmakaya. Yes? You know, I think if you, if, if, if you attach, or if you, to ask the question, where is Dharmakaya, it leads me straight back to that line that says, 
uh, it's heartrending to look outside. Yeah. Why is that? Well, I mean, if, if you're looking at it as a puzzle to be solved or a task to be checked off, I think that you're kind of missing or at least obscuring an invitation that, that's embedded in that. Um, I think, um, well, I'm, I'm reminded, I, I brought up this really short poem in a like previous Q&A session after a Dharma talk, but um, but E.E. E. Cummings wrote a little poem that says something like, Seeker of truth, follow no path. Paths lead where? Truth is here. Mm. Yes, I like that. Paths lead where truth is here. That sounds very um, Dharmakaya. <laughs> what about the Nirmanakaya? What about the manifestation in form? Where is that? Where does that appear? Little D Dharma? No, not necessarily. Well, yeah, I mean, you could. You could call it little D Dharma. I guess I'm asking, in terms of what we do, where does it manifest? Can you have dharmakaya in your heart? In your heart? Hmm. Kind of what Bruce is, was, is saying? Right here? It's also here. I mean, it's like there can't. It's like there can't really be an instantiation of something like Dharmakaya without form, right? Something that's formless, is something that can be experienced. So in a sense, maybe experiential, but not in a way that's like where we actually are. Dharmakaya is kind of like, it's not very coherent. When we did, uh, so in, when we had our Zazen instruction instruction a couple of weeks ago, it was the first time that I knew that I actually uh, found out what goes on here during Sasha instruction. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have to say, I was a little—I was a little surprised. <laughs> not, in a, not in a bad way at all. Um, at Tassahara, the they have Sasha instruction during the summer every every day. At four o'clock, when the new guests come in, there's also instruction available to those people who want who want it. And um, when you're the you know or the head doan, you it's your job to do that every day. And sometimes you know you can find other people to to do it as well. But otherwise, if nobody shows up and you know nobody volunteers to do it, then you're doing zazen instruction every day. And in the zazen instruction that's given, probably half of it is on how to get into the building. And how to get out again. And then there's like maybe a little bit of, you know, what do you do when you're in the building? And then, <laughs> and then, and then there's a, some time for sitting. Okay? And there's always this, this push-pull between like, how much are you explaining about form? And how much are you giving people the, the opportunity for that during the Zazen instruction to experience the formless? Okay? So when you, uh, when you come in, and, and is it like one or the other? In some ways, when you're doing zazen instruction, it is, right? You can either talk about 
when do you bow and how many times do you uh, turn, you know, when you're turning around, is it clockwise, is it counterclockwise? Like, you could say, well, who cares, right? Who cares? Because, you know, it's about the formless. But this is Zen. <laughs> and form, form, the form that things take, uh, on the one hand, it doesn't really, it doesn't matter at all. There's no inherent, you know, goodness for turning this way versus that way. There, I mean, there may be historical reasons. You know, there's a context, there's conditions, right? But you could say, you know, it doesn't really matter. However, at the same time, if you don't have any form and you just, you know, you're in this realm of the formless, number one, are you really? <laughs> and then number two, it's really important to know, like, we, we are form bodies. How do we connect with formless within a form body? Right? We, the only way to do it is through form. Now, if you focus on just the form and you miss the larger picture, then you are, you're kind of weighing yourself towards one of the three bodies. If you're only interested in the bliss state or the rewards, right? The feeling of, um, for me right now, I'm feeling it in my upper body. <laughs> what, 3,000, I think it was like 3,000 pounds. Right? We did about a ton and a half, I think. So, um, you know, there's the, there's the bliss body, there's the manifestation of practice that comes out from, from putting your body into it, right? From actually putting your body into your practice so that there's no separation between your body and your practice. And then when you're sitting, if you're sitting without being dragged around by your thinking or your... Um, not to say that you don't think, that thinking doesn't happen when you're sitting, but there's a big difference between being dragged around by your thinking and just witnessing your thinking. Oh, there's a thought. The formlessness in Dharmakaya, it's kind of hard to talk about, right? Like when you try and describe a period of zazen, how do you do it without referring to, to um, without referring to your mundane thoughts? Like, is there anything else? Or if you're all only talking about what's happening in terms of like, well, then I noticed a cramp developing in my foot, and then the light changed because the sun came out. You know, I mean, that's actually much better than what normally happens, which is like not even being present. You know, oftentimes when we sit, we come in, and it takes us a little while just to settle the mind, right? You know, I have that experience where sometimes you can... Years! <laughs> Where, where you even notice the this that's happening in this moment, right? And oftentimes we can be, you know, caught up. And just giving ourselves that opportunity is such a radical departure from our normal waking life, right? Just sitting, being like, what is this, right? And at some point, without even noticing it, because, you, you know, to notice it automatically is like you're outside it. 
right? There's an entering into what, you know, maybe you could call the, the Dharmakaya, but the formlessness of awareness. Awareness without an object. Awareness of awareness itself, maybe you could call it. Where time stops, right? Time doesn't have a, doesn't have purchase, right? Is that the goal? No, not really, it's not the goal. It's really nice when it happens, but it manifests through our form. It manifests through the nirmanakaya, awakening within form. Right. So when we enter the zendo and we bow and we walk to our seat, you know, there's all these different things that come up around like, well, what's our form? What's the form? What's, and basically what that means is, what conventions do we use here to keep us connected to the moment? Right? Those are forms, the forms of our practice. We have a bunch of new people practicing, uh, doing some new jobs. So like the Zazen instruction instruction for people who are doing, uh, offering Zazen instruction for the first time. How'd it go today? Well, it was quite interesting, I think. I hope everyone who attended thought so too. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, new, new Kokyos and Doans and Fukudos and so forth. These are all the different temple positions, people who play the instruments during the services. These are all forms, right? It's learning, specifically learning a form. And within that form, transformation happens. In some ways, when you, if you enter the formless and you're only in formless, then there's, you, you know, that's great, that's wonderful, but it's, you don't necessarily know what's going on. I mean, there's not a feeling of, maybe not knowing is not is most intimate, but having some sense of like, um, I don't know, help me out here. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Mary? It's just like you need to have boundaries to experience boundaries. Yeah, um, yeah. right. Yeah. There's an edge. Right? You think freedom is going to be without um, the Right. You need that balance. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you're not getting too caught up in it, though. Right. Because as soon as you got to get too caught up in it, then you are... You, you fall into a pit of hell, <laughs> you know, with judgment and like, you know, you end up um, judging yourself, judging other people. This is all very natural, right? This is what it is to be human. We have these minds that do these things, but we don't have to take them so seriously. At the same time, we have to give them their, you know, due respect as being part of the manifestation of reality. I have a funny observation. When I first started here, I, you know, I, the forms really foreign to me, and I didn't pay much attention to them um, and the, the, what they were helping me with. And one of the things is that people wear muted colors. And uh, the other day, somebody came in with a bright color. It was distracting me the entire time. I had become accustomed to this form that allowed me to come into this balance point. But then I realized this is an opportunity to practice with Mother Jin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. it, it also it also lets you see where it is you're stuck. Where you're stuck. The weak and stuck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was telling somebody who is a new Kokyo, the Kokyo is the chant leader, the person who announces the chants. It's um, 
I was telling a new person who is doing it for the first time that, you know, to just keep track of like what changes happen, you know, you might not know what's going to change, but like there's all kinds of things when you're learning a new uh, art form, when you're learning a new practice, a new instrument, what have you, right? But being the chant leader isn't really about, it's not really about having a good voice or doing voice lessons and you know, that's all can be very helpful in terms of, you know, somebody who has a lot of experience with singing might feel less uh, stressed out being the chant leader, maybe, right? But in terms of, like, just being conscious of one's breath, Koji, when he was here last week, uh, gave the example of the karate kid where Mr. Miyagi <laughs> is doing the, you know, he's, make, he's making him, like, wax the cars and showing him how to do that, and it's like, little does he know, young <laughs> Daniel, is his name Daniel? young Daniel is learning karate when he's like buffing cars, right? The same thing happens here all the time, all the time, from little things that you do, from being the person who's, you know, going to uh, sift the ash out of the, uh, you know, out of the incensor, right? Just doing that is a form that's taken up that expresses formlessness and the bliss body that emerges Anybody here uh, so can say something about being uh, the bliss body of being the Chidan? Oh, no. <laughs> Some people are frowning. <laughs> Think Zen rock garden. You know, like you've got those like, rock gardens where you're raking, you've got these patterns. It's yeah. so compulsive. It the question, so, so if you haven't felt the bliss body, then maybe it's, uh, maybe it's time to open yourself to the question, what is this? When Dongshan says, I always stay close to this, which manifestation is it? Which body of Buddha is expressing, is, in, is, is being expressed? Which one is beyond category? Which one is uh, manifesting the Dharma? And how? Is it through form? Is it through formlessness? Is it through the fruit? Right. Oh, I'm way over. My apologies. I think we started late. Mm -hmm. Um... Before I end, I just wanted to uh, put in a plug for our upcoming annual meeting where we'll be uh, having brunch together and talking about a number of different things. But we've also, Ernest here, over there. Ernest is our board chair, or our board president, and, um, <laughs> and he's uh, I put his his email address onto the newsletter for people who are interested in suggestions for the annual meeting. Uh, we also have a volunteer sheet for people who are interested in helping set up, um, take down, prepare, to be in part of the ceremonial roles. We'll have a ceremony. There'll be some uh, reports given by different members of the board, one from myself on the sort of uh, state of the spiritual well-being of the temple and we'll have lunch uh, brunch together but if there are other things that people want uh, 
or brought up during the annual meeting, please contact Ernest. Yes. And, um, and yeah, and we will also be voting new board members onto the board and thanking those board members who are stepping off the board, who have done, have certainly done their time. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's in a couple weeks, and I hope the people are able to make it for that, because whether it's form or formlessness, what happens here happens because of all of you being a part of this community. So thank you very much for, for being here and for your, your practice and commitment. <laughs>